BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Here at How to Money, we're always encouraging listeners to think about some of the different ways they can earn some money on the side to reach their financial goals. And guess what? While you're away, your home could also earn extra income. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. Yeah, hosting is a lot easier than you might think, and you don't need to Airbnb a whole house. You can just host your extra spare room. So consider becoming an Airbnb host, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today, we're talking about spring cleaning your life. Joel, so what's up, man? <laughs> so before uh, before we get started on our topic today, I want to tell you I'm keeping it a secret because I wanted to tell you once we hit record. Yeah, you're bursting at the seams <laughs> about some so, deal you got. Uh, and I want to know. All right, so listen. Last night I'm sitting there on uh, Facebook, kind of catching up, seeing what's going on out there in the world, and I see a buddy of mine. He's a uh, photographer friend who also likes scotch, which is nice. And because uh, we're not only beer drinkers, we like some scotch on occasion. Yeah, I'm you a, in particular. Oh man, yeah, I, I enjoy in particular a, a nice smoky peaty scotch. Anyway, his wife posted a, a picture of him with a case of one of my favorite scotches, Talisker. Oh yeah, you love that and one. And not only Talisker, but it's a special uh, version of it. I guess uh, it's called Talisker Storm, and this is one that I've had before, and it's really good. So I was like, you got to be kidding me. Why are they picking up a, a case of this stuff? Uh, they picked it up at the the liquor store right up the street from us on uh-huh. the corner there at th- under $30 a bottle. Do you had to buy a case or did they decide it's under 30 bucks a bottle? I'm, ca- I'm buying Yeah, basically it's like this is such a good deal that you, you need to get that much. I'm loading up to get enough Talisker that'll last me like the next 12 years. Yeah, or, you know, next six. <laughs> <laughs> but this, I mean, this is a, dude, this is a scotch that goes anywhere between like 60 and... I don't know about sixty, like fifty to seventy bucks, maybe though. Okay. And I was, I mean, it was sitting there, you know, per bottle, uh, listed at twenty something. 
29, you know, 29.99 or whatever. And so it was like 10, almost 10.30 at night. <laughs> and Kate was out. But as soon as she got home, I was like, oh, by the way, I got to go. <laughs> you put your pants on. Yeah. My pants were still on. <laughs> I wasn't ready for bed yet. Hopped in the car. And drove up there and bought me a case, man. Yeah. When you see a deal, you pounce. It's true. And that's the great thing. Like, you know, when you've saved money and the deal comes along and you're like, this is my jam. That's when you make the move. Yeah. It was such a good deal. So now basically you need me to come over a lot more and help you drink the scotch. And do we actually need <laughs> to change this podcast into being a scotch drinking podcast or? I don't know. We could do a, uh, maybe like one week we might do a little scotch pour instead of beer. All right. Or do a little nightcap at the end. You know what? We are poor, not poor. It doesn't say that we're pouring a beer. Exactly. Oh, man. We left the doors open. Those people, they'll never be the wiser. <laughs> oh, man. You know something else? I think I was influenced too by my buddy. He rec- he just sent me a picture of his beer cellar and he had just like bottles and bottles of stuff too. And I think that was sort of on my mind. And I thought, you know what? Scotch is definitely something that never goes bad. Oh, yeah. And I was like, if Tyler's got a shelf full of a bunch of dogfish head worldwide stouts, uh, maybe I can have some scotch. <laughs> <laughs> and how did your wife feel about you purchasing a case of scotch? She... Supportive or no? She was supportive. Okay. Yeah, she wasn't sure how much I should get because she was like, well, that's just stuff, you know, that's up to you uh, to decide. But you know, in the budget, that's your money. So it's, it's exactly. like... Exactly. Well, yeah. So in the end, she was just like, you know, it's up to you. And the way I was thinking about it, though, is that I might give one of those bottles away as like a gift. Yep. You know? Yeah, my brother-in-law's got a birthday coming up. And so we were kind of thinking, I was like, you know what? I think he might like to have a bottle of this. And, and he's going to be like, oh, oh, Matt's a big spender. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me look good. He's got a, got himself an awesome scotch sitting there. And so once we do that, I get to just transfer it from our giving category back over to uh, credit my account. Nice. Super, I like it. Super nerdy. Well, dude, I'm all about scoring a deal. Yeah. And uh, a deal on booze is even better. That's yes. like the best kind of deal you can come yeah. upon. All right. I, I wanted to tell you real quick. I read this article today and I thought it was fascinating because I'd never thought about this before. You and I were both into real estate. Mm-hmm. You can hear about that, listeners. Uh, you can go back a few episodes and listen to our uh, Rental Property Basics show where um, Matt and I are kind of amateur landlords and super into it. But I'd never thought about this apparently. So apparently, people that are selling their homes are using their smart cameras and their Nest thermostats and their listening devices in order to kind of get some inside information. They're kind of spying on potential home buyers and their agents to kind of figure out what people are saying oh, about the snap. home. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> like, are they listening to them talk yeah. and stuff? Okay. So let me read just this, this couple lines from the article. It says, as right. homes become smarter, real estate agents and home buyers are increasingly finding there's an extra set of eyes and ears on them as they tour properties for sale. Realtors describe everything from old-fashioned security cameras to newer contraptions like Nest thermostats tracking their conversations and actions. Fascinating, right? There's all sorts of ways. <laughs> like, let's say you're walking through a house and you're talking to your agent and you're like, I'm in love. This is the greatest house I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I'm buy- willing to spend this much, even yeah. though it's listed at this much. Exactly. Right. And the seller's like, awesome. That's an upper hand in the negotiations. Hmm. They put in a low ball offer and I just say, no, I'm sticking to my price because I know how much they like it. Right. Um, and that's... I- so as a potential seller, I'm like totally on board with that because I'm kind of sneaky. <laughs> yeah, you are. But as a buyer, oh, it's messed yeah, up. Yeah. But if I put myself in the buyer's shoes, it's tough. What do you think? I don't think it's cool. And I think if I were a buyer and I found out that that happened, I would certainly feel like I was tricked. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't want to do that to somebody. I, I mean, I understand the desire for that, but it's, it seems unfair. And so I think that should probably be off the table using 
Nest Cams and uh, whatever, like all these different nanny cams, all these other things in order to spy on people essentially walking through your right. house. Well, it's not... Yeah, it's less spying. I don't know. Maybe it is spying. It's definitely but eavesdropping feel, yeah. at, the, at, the, at the minimum. But I feel like these, these technologies are so ubiquitous now that you kind of have to assume that right sure especially i mean you come into a house and they've got the smart doorbell and you you see other sort of smart home appliances and you got to think all right you know there might be some of that going on here yeah um i think the biggest takeaway is for anybody who's potentially buying a house and walking through with their agent or a friend or something like that be really careful (laughs) what you're saying because there's a chance that you know they might not even be doing it on purpose but they might you know they might be in the next room and hear you so just be careful about what you're saying. Wait till you're talking price and how much you actually love the property until you're off the premises. Yeah, or w- wait till you get in your car. Don't even wait on the like the front step or anything yes. like that. I mean, that's how we were. Anytime like when we first bought our house, Kate and I, I feel like we were always super tight-lipped. You know, like yep. zip zip it. Yeah, feel free to point out the minor flaws in a place or something <laughs> like that. But like you know, don't don't talk about how it's perfect for you and your family right. until you're out the door with your agent yeah. on a on you know somewhere else oh, to, to talk about you know that potential i'm so torn though because one one part of me wants to think oh no this that's just part of the game now it's just part of listing a home and but the other part of me thinks that is pretty messed up you know i think like, i'm just fascinated that's yeah. the thing it's like yeah. oh well i guess that makes complete sense that that's a thing now but i long for the days when you had to like eavesdrop in person joel if you wanted to to listen to what your potential <laughs> buyer, buyers were, were saying about your house actually so that totally reminds me of a story. Uh, some friends of ours, they went across to their neighbor's house, like across the street or maybe like catty corner while uh, an agent was showing their house. So, you know, they had to get out of there uh, while, while the agent was showing their house. And so they're sitting there on the front porch, though, like trying to play it super cool. And they notice that they can't get, get into the house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they could, the realtor couldn't get the key thing to work. And, and he was like, should we? should we like text them or like call them so they can like get inside the house? And she's like, no, like they're going to know that we can see them. If, if you like say something about not being able to get in the house. <laughs> so it's like old school eavesdropping. Yeah. 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 Gone are those days. <laughs> yep. Yep. Now it's newfangled and there's all sorts of ways that you can, can spy on people. So don't start lauding the house, uh, you know, and singing its praises while you're <laughs> walking around inside of it because you know, the homeowner could just old school hear you or be recording you on one of their cameras. So yeah, beware. So our topic today is going to be spring cleaning your life. And specifically, we're not talking about cleaning your house of dirt. We're going to be talking about getting rid of junk, uh, decluttering your house and kind of making a buck. Yeah, making a buck on the side while you're doing it because this is the time of year that people are tossing things, wanting to clear up the clutter, uh, wanting their house to be fresh. And hopefully this episode will help you kind of figure some of those things out and make the most for some of your possessions uh, that you're not just just tossing them away, um, throwing them in a landfill, uh, but that you're actually able to make a little bit of money and bring some sanity back into your life by clearing things out. But first, real quick, onto the beer. Uh, Matt, today you picked this one up, Cascade Brewing Blueberry Ale. Tell me about it. Yeah, Joel, this is a 2015 Cascade Blueberry Ale. These guys are out of Portland, Oregon. And right here on the bottle, it says... This Northwest style sour ale, it's a blend of wheat and blonde ales aged in oak barrels for up to 12 months with fresh blueberries. Yeah, Joel. So one of the reasons I, I think I love these, these guys specifically is that they're making, at least traditionally, they've made their, their sours from wheat and blonde ales. And that is one of the things I love about sours is, uh, are the brighter ones. It's cork and caged, which uh, means there's a fancy cork inside that we got to pop. So... 
So Joel's pouring that right now. He's pouring a like a reddish purple. So it's obviously got the color from the blueberries. I can smell that sour, man. And I can smell what the rock is cooking. <laughs> you jabroni. <laughs> so this smells exactly the way I remember. I haven't even, I haven't sipped it yet. But I can smell that oak. It smells Ooh. bright. Dude, it hits you like right on the sides of your cheeks and just you start salivating instantly. It's like a like a blueberry sweet tart almost. Oh, man. It's really really good. This is still one of my favorites. And I completely agree with you. I would recommend Cascade to anybody. anybody. Specifically if you're looking at sours. Right? Yeah, yeah, I would recommend Cascade to anybody who likes sours. Uh, we've had over the years, Matt, you and I have shared some really good ones from them. And I do say shared because this is in a 750 milliliter bottle. So you're really talking about a great bottle to share with somebody. Uh, drink that on your own at your own peril. So, if you happen to be able to get your hands on one of those, snatch it up. With something like this, you can drink it three years from now. You can just have it on your shelf, look at it, and smile every time you see it, and then decide randomly <laughs> one day to start stick it in the fridge so you can crack it open you know, the, the, the following night. Mm-hmm. If only I could see you, you know, look at your beers and smile. <laughs> I think my wife gets jealous. <laughs> I was going to say, she's like, yeah, what are you, what are you doing, honey? <laughs> Just smiling at my beers. Just staying in there looking at your beers, smiling. Just looking at my my malt hop barley children. <laughs> All right, on to the topic at hand, Matt. We're talking about spring cleaning your life, how to get rid of some of the stuff that you have in your house that you don't need, and how to make a quick buck from it, while at the same time decluttering and actually improving your life. And the first thing that we need to note, almost all of us, we have too much stuff in our homes. And it begins to take up space not only physically, but in our minds. And so I know every time that I go through a a period of decluttering, a time of decluttering, it is like therapeutic for not only my pocketbook and my house and the space space there, but for my mind as well. Yeah. Doesn't it just feel good when, when like, you know that there's something that's kind of been sitting there piled up like with a bunch of other junk and you can finally clear it out. Like you said, I feel like that sort of mental or emotional part of it is almost even better than just clearing out the space in your house because you can, it's easy to throw stuff in the attic or kind of toss it down in the crawl space, you know, or the basement and just kind of never see it again. <laughs> or, or pull one of those like, you know, what, what, like a kid, I don't know, I'm thinking like Bart Simpson, probably, you know, stuffing everything in a closet and then you yeah. like literally shut the closet door <laughs> so that like things don't like fall out Do on you, you. You have like a closet like that? A, a closet that things just go to disappear basically? <laughs> Not anymore, but you know, I think we, we do, we have had that at times. And so uh, every time you you do this too, or you clear out one room, or you clear out, you know, let's say your wardrobe or something like that, it, man, you kind of get Jones in to move on to the next thing. And so recently, uh, Emily and I did kind of have like a, a mini purging and we got rid of just kind of a few things. And we we're kind of using the our, the local Facebook yard sale site to get rid of some stuff. It was really nice, man. Like it just felt like we could walk around our own room a little bit better and the house in general. And, uh, it just, man, it feels good to, you know, make a couple hundred bucks and get rid of stuff uh, at, at the same time that you will never miss. And not to mention, it's just less stuff to clean, right? More yep. stuff you kind of have out that you have to like dust, man, just lose all that. <laughs> so I guess the question that we have to probably answer that, that people are wondering right off the bat is, are we minimalists? Because that's kind of uh, been a trend that's that we've seen you know across the internet like people like to claim that they're minimalists and like to try to inspire other people to live in that way 
Uh, and we are not minimalists and I don't necessarily think, I don't think it's a bad thing to try to, to try to strive for that if you feel like that's best for your life. But it's also, especially with kids and stuff like that. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's something that we're not going to strive for at this point in time. Yeah. With kids, it's, it's especially hard having kids at different ages because there's stuff you want to keep that you're going to, you know, you're going to use for say, you know, the younger kid and you're just basically waiting for them to age up and you don't want to toss something just because you know your older child has grown out of it and you've got a couple more in my case two more children below that are also going to use that thing so it makes a ton of sense to hang on to things uh so yeah getting rid of everything as soon as you're done using it isn't something that is financially smart for us and it's just nice to have it kind of on hand just in case you you do need it that being said i feel like you can fall on a spectrum when it comes to being a minimalist i do think that we are slightly more minimalists than you and Emily. I, I would definitely agree with that. You have. A, I try to live a more Spartan existence. Try to not allow myself to have the nice things. Uh, <laughs> well, we do the we, luxuries. I do like, and I've I've grown to to stop shopping for these things, but I do kind of like quirky knickknacks, and so you know, a little decorative thing here or there that kind of adds to the spice of the room. And your house is like white and black and gray essentially your stuff is very like stark very clean and uh, we like pops of color and bright stuff and crazy stuff and so our house is paintings and all over the place fake yeah. animal heads yeah. <laughs> uh, we have very different tastes but also on the other hand we live in 1300 square feet with with one bathroom with the four of us and so we do try to on purpose aim to live in a smaller space um, we think it's good for us as a family for our girls to share a room for us to have a smaller space, there's less to clean, there's less yeah. to decorate, there's less to keep up with, and ultimately, we interact more. Uh, when, when you have a giant house, someone's in one wing of the house and you know other person's in the other, and you probably don't see each other nearly as much, and kids can lock themselves away in their rooms, but if they're kind of forced to interact with the family in this way, we just thought that was important, and that's an intentional choice on our part, to live in 1,300 square feet and to share this space together that's, that's just something we feel is important for our family. Cool. I didn't realize you guys were only living in 1,300 square feet. So Joel, and we've, we've talked about this on a previous episode too, but the back part of your house you have set up as a, as a rental. Right. Yeah, you've got it leased out uh, uh, one year or you know year-long, uh, long-term rental, I should say, uh, lease. Um, but yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. I didn't realize you guys were, were, were rocking 1,300 up front. Yeah, so the the house overall is about 2,000 square feet. We rent out roughly this uh, back 700 square feet to a friend. She's awesome. And my family, we live in the front half of the house. And so, yeah, it works out perfectly for a lot of reasons. I mentioned that in the rental property podcast. But to truly, to on purpose, to try to live in a smaller space, there's like so many benefits that come from it. There's less furniture to buy. And I think too, like that's part of the American dream that people have bought into is like, and there's people don't think about all the costs associated with a bigger house. Not only is there a bigger mortgage payment, not only do you have higher utility bills, but you also have more furniture that you need to buy for the space. And so just all these things start creeping up. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best things that you can do from the get go, spring cleaning your life, live in a smaller space, living in that smaller space is going to ultimately make it a lot easier for you to take some of these steps that we're going to recommend here to you in this in this show uh, so that you can spring clean your life. Do the big thing. The big thing is to live in a smaller space. Yeah, and having less possessions is one part of like minimalism that I kind of aspire towards. 
and hopefully by the end of this episode, you guys will have some some tips, some pointers, uh, and some sort of guidelines that you, maybe you can follow that will help you and ultimately encourage you guys to to downsize, to get rid of some stuff. And honestly, dude, I think this is going to encourage me to get up in the attic and pull some stuff down. I think my favorite feeling in doing this is getting rid of things that I use kind of sparingly or almost never that really don't add much value to my life. And it almost makes it easier then for me to find those things that do add value to my life that I forget, Mm -hmm. that I forget like a book that I read a lot or I I go back to his reference. You know, if I keep that on my nightstand, but I I don't have four other books there to compete with it. You know, if I, if I have like this well curated selection right there of things that I go to often, whatever it is in my life, if I make it easy to find those things that I use often and get rid of the things that I really don't need, it just kind of, Everywhere I look at my house, I'm like, I like that. I need that. I use that. Mm-hmm. As opposed to like, what is all this stuff taking yeah. up space for on the counter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just brings focus to your life. Yeah, you exactly. Truly enjoy the things that you have. And man, we're going to need it. We, we ought to do a, a full episode on that too, right? Like kind of quality over quantity sort of sort of thing. I mean, that's our approach to beers, right? We're not yeah. sitting here crushing six Coors Lights. <laughs> but I mean, that, that, that does fit with us and sort of our, our sort of philosophy on, on what we like to talk about here and, and what we like to live. So, so yeah, Joel, I think that's a great rule of kind of focus on the things that you truly find enjoyment in and the things that you know you want to pursue and just kind of, kind of cut the rest. Go through your life and consider some of the things that aren't adding value to your life. Joel, I think there are a lot of folks who start small businesses and they're surprised at the amount of behind the scenes, the admin type work that they're not all that thrilled about. Getting your books together with uh, with some final figures so that you can file your corporate taxes, for instance. That's something we've been in the middle of. But it can really gum up the gears, potentially keeping you from doing the work you love. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000. 25 and 1. That's right. Yeah, 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. There's a lot of power in the simplification of having all that information in one place. Helps you make better decisions. That's right. And right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash howtomoney. That's netsuite.com slash howtomoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash howtomoney. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate, Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year, so we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or 
you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A big part of being a responsible adult is taking care of the things you care about. For instance, my bike that I ride in to work on. I keep the tires pumped. I keep the chain greased. Gone are the days of leaving your bike out in the rain for weeks at a time, like a kid. (laughs) Simply put, the things futures are built around are the things worth protecting. And making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. With Trust & Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash howtomoney for 10% off plus free document shipping. As the primary breadwinner for our family, I've taken the steps to ensure that Kate and the kids that they're going to be taken care of if something terrible happens to me. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs. Their simple step-by-step process guides you from start to finish with ease. So get the peace of mind you deserve by creating your estate plan with Trust & Will. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash howtomoney. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry, Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. So on that note, let's talk about kind of the rules for how to figure out what you should get rid of. Yes. One of those things I think, Joel, is if it's still in a box from, say, when you moved into your house. (laughs) Like if you have some stuff that you have not unpacked because you think, oh, we don't really need that now. Will you ever really need it? Let's be honest with yourself. If there's something that you have, whether it's in a closet or in an attic, and it's still in a box from a previous move, it's time to get rid of that. Yeah, I got to be honest. I, I probably got a few things that, that hit that rule that I need to go home and get rid of. And not necessarily in a box, but I remember uh, one of our friends gave us one of these uh, baby carriers, like backpacks for hiking. Oh, yeah. And I'm always like, yeah, I can't wait to like take, take the girls hiking. <laughs> <laughs> and put them in this awesome backpack baby carrier and the girls are getting big and I've never used it. <laughs> and so I just need to like pass the love on and give that to somebody yeah, that's going to use it. it. On. So yeah, we, we've got, that's so funny that you got one of those. We were given one of those as well. And except we've used ours a couple times, not a ton, but we definitely have thrown Clover in there a couple of times now and, and definitely Dottie. But those are the kind of things too that Unless you're an avid hiker, don't even get one because it's such a limited stage where you're going to use something like that. Be cognizant before you purchase something. Hey, is this a limited stage use item? If it is, and I'm actually really going to use it, try to buy it used, right? But just know, hey, unless I'm like super into this activity, it's really only you know six months to a year that I can actually use this item. So if I'm going to use it once or twice, is it worth the money? Yeah, consider just borrowing it from a friend. A lot of folks we know that kind of do the things that we like to do, check in with them. Yeah. And I I mean, honestly, I think that's such a good rule of thumb for so many things and something that 
our culture doesn't really lend itself to borrowing things from people. Like we all have a lawnmower and we all have a weed eater. And, you know, some of those things, you know, I, I use those things all the time, especially as a landlord, I'm cutting a lot of lawns. So right. I think it's okay to have my own. But there are a lot of things in life we should be a little more thoughtful about, you know, hey, do I need to purchase this baby carrier? Or my friend whose kid is a little bit bigger now, she's probably got one I could borrow for you know six months until my baby's grown out of it too. And, you know, there's a lot of importance to community in this and developing community uh, where you can borrow things like that that you'll only need for a limited time. So that works on stuff in boxes, right? Things, you know, things you have up in the attic. Uh, what, how do you approach clothes? Like, what do you think about, you know, say items that you have in your closet that maybe you hardly ever wear, like your tux? You mentioned that the other, uh, the other week. Well, I wore it, didn't I? I don't know. Did you? Was that, was that yes, your Yes, that's what I wore. Come on. <laughs> I'm, well, not, I'm tux, not looking you up and down, man. Sorry. A tux is one of those rare okay, you items. Didn't, you, didn't have a, you didn't have the tie on. You didn't have your bow tie. Right. You had the jacket and the pants. Yep. Okay, got it. So, uh, no, that's something I can, I'll get enough use out of. <laughs> that's a really good point, though. You know, that's one of those things where it's it's a rare necessity. You don't really need a tux. And for me, it was just kind of a more of a fun thing to wear that night just because I had it. Just ch- kind of trying to get some use out of it. But my rule of thumb when it comes to clothing is that if I haven't worn it in the past year that's when it's time to get rid of it. I can rationalize all day about how I'm going to wear it or like, I really do like this article of clothing, but if you've gone through all four seasons and, and you it, haven't worn it once, it right? didn't go on your body, you don't need it. It might be time to get rid of it. We talked about this in a recent episode too, how like in reality, there's like a uniform <laughs> that we each have and not like a w- actual like work uniform or anything like that, but like there's clothes that we wear. And so I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to this too, you're the same way. There's a few items that you really, really like. And you wear those all the time. And maybe instead you should just buy one more of those and get rid of like the five to 10 other articles of clothing that you have that you don't, you never wear. Or when you do wear, you're kind of like, eh, this doesn't really fit me that well. I'll just kind of wear it because, you know, it's laundry day. Yeah. I mean, I think over time too, you, it, when you figure out your style and exactly what you like to wear, you stop buying things that you're not into or things that you buy maybe just because it was on sale and you start to buy clothes that maybe are a touch nicer, but that last for a long, long time. And so now I've got shirts that like the shirt I'm wearing right now, I will probably wear this like a hundred times. Is that Pendleton or or Levi's? Levi's. Looks like it looks like a wool shirt. Yeah, man. So like it's a, it's a nice shirt that costs a little bit more than most shirts cost, but I'm going to wear this shirt a lot Mm -hmm. and it's a staple. It's a go-to. So have fewer clothes and the clothes that you have, enjoy them more and uh, get rid of the things, give them away or sell them the, the items that you haven't used, haven't worn in the last year. Another category to consider getting rid of too, Joel, is our electronics with technology and the way things are advancing. Like there's never a cool piece of old electronics that you're wanting to keep around because you think it's going to become useful. It's like, no, it's only getting less and less useful the longer you have it. And if you stuck it in the closet at some point to not use because you didn't need it, it's only going to become less and less useful. It's never going to like come around full circle where you're like, oh, finally, time to pull pull up the cassette player. (laughs) Now I can use that Motorola Razor again. (laughs) I've been waiting, waiting for that. That old Nokia brick phone. Those things are so cool. Although I think those actually are coming back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> they have like a newfangled smartphone version of Do that. they really? Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I think when I have gotten a new smartphone at times in the past, I've like held on to my old one thinking, you know what, I need, I need a backup phone. But ultimately that phone is more valuable today than it is 
any day in the future. And so what you should do instead of putting that phone in a drawer and holding it as a backup is you should sell it if you can. And if you can't sell it, it's a complete piece of trash yeah. that you need to recycle. <laughs> yeah. That should be a very clear indicator as to the value. If you're trying to list something and you're like, well, I'm not going to be able to get anything for it. Cool. Sounds like it's something that you should get rid of too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if no one else is willing to pay you for it, then just unload it. <laughs> so if you upgrade your phone, I think, or your computer or something like that, think about a couple things. Maybe either you can sell it on eBay or Craigslist or something like that or on your neighborhood yard sale site. And if you can't do that, consider donating it. Consider donating it to a place like Best Buy. Best Buy's got one of the, I think the biggest electronics recycling program in the nation. So take it to your Best Buy. If not, there's a great website called call2recycle.org. Call the number two recycle.org. Check that out. And there's lots of places you can find a place uh, nearby you where you can donate your electronics. You can recycle those things because when you buy that new phone, your old phone is likely worth something. So sell it, get rid of it. There's also eco ATMs where you can go and they're in lots of stores, Kroger, stuff like that. And that ATM will tell you exactly how much your phone is worth and will give you 25 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever. Um, and it's better than nothing. And ultimately when your phone dies, there's no way you're going to go back to the old technology. Like, I mean, that just sounds awful. If you're rocking an iPhone 8 now and you have to go back to your like iPhone 4S or whatever that is. I don't know. Your SE like I've got. Yeah, you're not going to be... Nobody wants to do that. No, nobody <laughs> wants to do that. So sell it or and bank that money towards, you know, another phone in the future or recycle that thing. Yeah, Joel. So those are some good spots to, uh, as far as where you can take some of your electronics. Uh, now's a good time then to go ahead and segue into some of the other places where you can sell things that you have that you need to get rid of. Yeah. And I think, like you said, some of the stuff is junk. Like some of the stuff that you've got is probably trash. Like, yeah. and, and so as you're, as you're wading through your drawers, your miscellaneous drawer, whatever it is, like some of that stuff probably just belongs straight in the garbage. But let's talk about the valuable stuff because, you know, some of it, you know, whether it's a table, a chair, uh, a lawnmower that you haven't used in a long time, whatever it is, like that kind of stuff is actually going to sell and be valuable to other people. Some of it for actual use, some of it for parts, maybe even. But one of my favorite places, and I think probably the place that people sell the most stuff these days is Facebook yard sale sites. Yeah. You guys have been unloading a bunch of stuff on there recently, right? Yeah. I sold a record player and a microwave recently uh -huh. on there. And Facebook yard sale is great because it is made up of your neighbors. Essentially. I've join different yard sale groups that reflect different communities that are, you know, right by me. Yeah. They're like kind of neighborhood specific. Yeah. And so you ultimately, I mean, you quickly know whether this person is a part of your neighborhood or not. And it makes the transaction feel a lot more friendly and less frightening than a potential. Some like, of the other ones we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah. than some of the other ones. Uh, so I, I like the Facebook yard sale groups. And by the way, that is different than the Facebook marketplace. So be a little careful if you're looking at the Facebook marketplace and there's actually like a little icon on the Facebook app for that. Uh, that I've seen more scams on the Facebook marketplace site and people like selling stuff that looks kind of fake or like a really nice iPhone for like a hundred bucks yeah, and all looks, these kind of... It's a little more scammy for sure. Yeah. So the actual yard sale sites, find one in your community, join that and that's going to be a good place to sell some of the stuff to people that live close to you, it's going to make the transaction easier and just a lot more above board. Yeah. yeah. And those are the specific Facebook yard sale groups that you want to look at. So look for the groups. I guess the biggest downside to using Facebook yard sale is that you're really only hitting thousands of people, maybe even only hundreds of people, depending on where you live. 
as opposed to listing something on eBay, which we can talk about next, you're reaching a limited segment of people, but it works especially well for larger items. Yeah, like furniture and yeah. things like that that you definitely don't want to have to worry about shipping. Exactly. So it's like positives and negatives. Know that, you know, bigger stuff, stuff that's harder to, harder to sell, stuff that's harder to ship. You know, Facebook yard sale sites work great for stuff like that, mm-hmm. but you're reaching a more limited audience. Yeah. But one of the advantages to that, though, are that you probably already have a Facebook account. It's not like you need to go on to, say, eBay and create a, you know, a, a brand new profile. Pretty much everyone is already on Facebook. It's just whether or not they're in that group. And it, it just makes it really easy to hop on there and start selling the things that you want to get rid of. Yeah, the barrier to entry is nil, pretty much. And creating the actual post, especially if you have the Facebook app on your smartphone, takes literally like a minute. It's really easy to take the pictures with your phone, upload them create the listing, and be done with it and wait for people to contact you. So I think these Facebook groups are a vast improvement upon Craigslist, which is you know kind of like maybe more the traditional route that people have taken when they you know wanted to sell stuff. We actually sold our car. Well, traditional <laughs> um, for the last 15 years, maybe, because before that, you were like listing stuff in newspapers. Yeah, you know? yeah and the actual, actual classifieds. Yeah, so more and more, I feel like Craigslist is sort of getting kind of phased out. There's not a, t- there's less. I feel like there's less stuff on there that I'm looking for. I'll still go on there if if I'm looking at getting something new before I before I buy purchase something new. I'll still look on eBay and you know and, and Craigslist for sure. Uh, just partly too because it's local. So to be able to go there immediately potentially and get what it is that I'm, I'm looking for to get it secondhand instead of brand new. That's something I'm always going to do. Yeah, I think Craigslist is really good for a few things and not great at a lot of things. Uh, What Craigslist is particularly good for, if you're looking to get a good deal on an automobile, a used car, uh, a motorhome, let's say, if you are looking to buy a bicycle or something like that, it's a Mm -hmm. specific kind, you're able to search by keyword. Um, Even like specialty furniture, uh, can be really good there. A lot of yeah, people... that's right. All the keywords. Yeah, a lot of people list that. And, and so it's easier to search by keyword. So if I'm looking for Danish modern furniture... Yeah, mid-century modern, MCM. <laughs> yeah, I'll find, I'll find a good selection on Craigslist. And there, again, Facebook's great for this too. There are specific sites, but there's such a wide variety on Craigslist that I think for items like that, it's great. Facebook, you might stumble across that, right? Somebody might be posting it randomly. But Craigslist, it's... It's super searchable and super easy to find. And just broad too. I mean, typically you're, you're searching in an, either an entire city or an entire region. Yeah. Well, one of the biggest pains that comes along with that though is you might have to drive 45 minutes or an hour to pick up the bed. I mean, I, I always keep my parameters really close and I'm not willing to travel very far uh, unless I'm like searching for something even bigger, like a car. Mm-hmm. If I was buying a car, I would be willing to open up my parameters. Got probably be willing to drive an hour to buy oh, the yeah. right car certainly but if i'm you know talking about a 200 hundred dollar chair or whatever a hundred dollar chair i'm not going to drive an hour to pick that up mm-hmm. yeah i used to sell a good bit of um like my old photography gear on craigslist but then man i just got sick of it because you'd meet up with somebody and then with you know with the gear they kind of want to try it out and so you're kind of sitting there while they're like playing with your camera and it just kind of sucks <laughs> kind of a weird feeling <laughs> yeah, it's just weird and then they're like a lot of times they don't know what they're doing and so they're kind of like trying to figure out how to use it. I'm just like, oh, dude, I'm not here to like teach you how to use the camera. To me, that was one of the downsides, I guess, to, to selling some of that stuff on Craigslist. Yeah. And, um, I, and, and the other, the biggest, one of the biggest downsides to Craigslist on top of that is potential theft, potential robbery. Yeah. What um, if, like someone, somebody could have just like run off with my camera. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, 
I can run far, but I'm not like really fast. So, so the, the biggest <laughs> tip is if you're actually going to do a transaction, if you're going to list something on Craigslist, if you're going to buy something on Craigslist, make sure you meet that person in a well-lit public area and preferably at your local police station because uh, police stations are totally cool with that now, especially because of all the crimes that they've had to, to chase down, all the, all the perps they've had to lock away because of Craigslist crimes. They're all about you meeting in their parking lot mm-hmm. and doing the transaction there. Or, uh, or if you can't do that, just bring along a buddy. Yep, that helps too. So then let's talk about eBay because instead of selling all my kind of camera gear on Craigslist, I started putting it all up on eBay, which is great because there's you know people all across the country and even the world, but I don't do international shipping because it starts getting kind of, I don't know. Expensivo? Yeah, it's expensive and I just don't like messing with that, man. I just, I say no international shipping. So. Ship it. Arriba, arriba. <laughs> so I'll do uh, domestic, but... For items that are more specialty, and so for for instance, some of the camera bodies I'm selling or lenses, folks that are looking for those know exactly what they're looking for. They're not just like happen to stumble upon a nice you know nice lens or a nice camera body that oh yeah let me drop a thousand bucks on this. No, it's probably not going to happen. There's a much better marketplace and a much better environment for that to occur on eBay. You know when you can have all the stats up there, you can kind of have you can link to reviews and what other folks have to say about them eBay is my go-to site for these items that are more expensive that folks are looking for and they're smaller so I can ship it and then just be done with it. Do you have an eBay account, Joel? Mm-hmm. So I got a deal on something uh, around Christmas time, Black Friday deal. Uh-huh. So essentially I bought a phone and it came with uh, free Bluetooth headphones. Nice. And But then another deal came up on a phone that was even better. So I got a new phone that was my new phone. My phone that I've got now it was 120 bucks, brand new. It's it's a really nice phone. So I saw that after the fact, uh-huh. and I was like, "Crap, that one's even cheaper <laughs> and a little bit better." And so what I did, the first phone came in that I bought before I found this secondary deal, and I relisted it on right. eBay. Nice. And I kept the headphones, listed the cell phone, just the phone, and I made money. Nice. So, so basically, you made money and you got some free headphones. Got some free headphones. <laughs> so nice. yeah, I don't use eBay a whole lot because there's not usually high-end stuff that I'm selling very often. But if I was, that's the perfect marketplace for it. And interestingly enough, too, depending on what kind of clothes you're selling, that can become a great marketplace for selling used clothing. Like nicer clothes? Yeah. Yeah. Like nicer, specialty vintage, whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a huge market for clothing on eBay if you know how to list it and you know what you've got. Yeah, there's folks that do entire businesses on eBay. They've got like their eBay stores and they kind of specialize in clothes only. Yeah, so eventually I want to have my friend Josh on the podcast mm-hmm. who had a vintage clothing store on eBay. Oh, that's his, what he did? Yeah. Like full-time? Yeah, so his job was hit up the thrift stores and buy clothing by the pound and he just had an eye for the stuff. He knew it would sell and then flip it on eBay. Is this furniture, Josh? And so From now... Down in Florida? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so now he flips mid-century modern furniture so he's got another business that he started basically buying one man's junk and turning it in it's somebody else's treasure mm-hmm. so uh, i love that idea behind a business so i'd love to talk to him since he's done two of yeah, these kind of businesses cool. i'd love to have him on the show kind of help people learn from some of the lessons he's learned and and how he's been successful doing it so then if you don't have a bunch of like high dollar items this sounds like what you need to do is a yard sale yeah, old school. Or a garage sale, depending on where... What do you call it? You call it garage sale or yard sale? Yard sale. Really? Yeah. 
I feel like, isn't it a regional thing? They say that like if you call it a yard sale, you're from this part of the United States. If you call it a garage sale, you're from here. Probably. I could see yeah. that. Rummage sale, I think, is another one. All right. I like that too. You like rummage sale? Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. I like yard sale though, I think. And uh, I like that idea. And by the way, if you are going to do one, post in Craigslist and let people know what's happening. That helps like bring people out. So just say, hey, upcoming yard sale. Here's the address. And kind of here's a few of the things that I've got that I'll be selling that day. And then do the same thing. Post a few signs around your neighborhood, letting people know that it's happening and telling them, you know, here's a few pieces that we'll, be, that we'll have. But an old school Saturday yard sale, you know, from 10 to 4 or 9 to 6 or whatever, that's going to go a long way in helping you kind of clear out some of your clutter. 9 to 6, dude. What kind of long freaking yard sale are you... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> are, you, are you running nine to six? I know. No way. I'm out of there, man. I just, I have a work ethic that, like none other. <laughs> That'd be like the longest yard sale in like history of yard sales. I yard sale till I drop. No, some people do two <laughs> days, man. They spread it out over Saturdays and oh, Sundays. Man, no. If it's still there at like one I'm like, all right, everything's on the curb. Curb alert. Yeah. That's what I would do. You just slashing the prices on everything. Yeah. Like, what do you want? Give me like $1. It's yours. Yeah. But an old school yard sale is kind of the best way to get rid of stuff that doesn't really have. It's just kind of stuff you want to clear out and make a few bucks for and hopefully find some life with somebody else. Consider that. Right after that, the next thing to do, donate it. Yeah. If you can't sell to the yard sale, donate it. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe you have the yard sale first and you you know think maybe, you know what, I can make 50 bucks, 100 bucks today by selling some of my old stuff. If it doesn't work out or you know, you're only able to sell a few items, that means that stuff is probably worth next to nothing. And so that stuff, just donate it, get your tax receipt, write it off on your taxes. Or I guess with a new tax law, you're probably still not, you're probably not writing it off, but get rid of it. Give it think about that. Yeah. Give it somewhere though. That's going to have a good home. That is better than holding on to it. Yeah. So we've mentioned on the show how we've got a Dominican trip coming up. We're going to celebrate Joel, you and Emily. You're both turning 40 this year. So we're doing it up right. And a lot of listeners, they might have trips of their own planned. And sometimes those vacations can get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? Yeah, that's right. Why let it sit empty when it can be earning extra income on your behalf? It's a smart and practical thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you have some extra space in your home. Maybe you have a whole house to host. Or maybe you're going on vacation and your home is just going to be sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you've got two options. You can either let it just sit there empty, or you can do some optimizing and make some money off of it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home, it might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. I got my first life insurance policy almost a decade ago. And hey, I'm still kicking it. I very much hope that trend continues, Matt. And since then, I've actually added coverage via Policy Genius. And if you out there, you're listening and you're worried that this is going to be a massive pain getting life insurance, think again. Policy Genius made it an incredibly easy process. If you have loved ones who rely on you and your income, life insurance is a crucial part of your financial plan. Not only does it provide a financial backstop for your family, it also gives you peace of mind too. Plus, the longer you wait, the more rates go up because life insurance rates typically increase as you get older. So if this is something you've been putting off, it's time to make it happen now. That's right. Yeah. And even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. 
With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Hey folks, it's Matt. I've got to tell you about something new I've been trying this year. I've been drinking a little Health Aid kombucha every day, and I feel amazing. It comes in so many delicious flavors, but my favorites so far are Pink Lady Apple and Ginger Lemon. So what exactly is Health Aid kombucha? Well, it is a fermented, bubbly, probiotic tea that's good for your gut. It's blended with real fruit juice, and it's super thirst-quenching, a little sweet and a little tangy, and very refreshing. I'm sure you've heard about the importance of gut health and supporting uh, your overall health. It's something I've read up on a good bit over the past year, which is why I've made Health Aid Kombucha a part of my everyday routine. Literally every afternoon, I'll have some. It's super easy, and it's affordable, too. My favorite grocery store, Aldi, they carry it as well. If you want to give it a try and see how great you can feel, look for the brown bottle with an anchor and make Health Aid Kombucha your go-to for a healthier, happier you. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, Matt, so you're the photographer. You're great at listing things and uh, making them look extra special. Yeah, man, the picture. I feel like that is so important. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, but you can do so much with a good picture to make your listing look good. Yeah, and the the I, I see so many listings where I'm like, I might be interested in that item, but I can't tell. The picture is so bad. And when the picture is not clear or not well lit, I just move on. Yeah, folks definitely aren't going to be nearly as drawn to your listing if you've just got this kind of crummy, dusty looking photo. But that's also, I mean, that's actually a way to get a potential deal. This dining room set <laughs> that we're sitting at, we got up in uh, you know about 45 minutes from where, where we were. Because Kate kept watching it and it kept sitting there on Craigslist with this literally like in the photo, the flash went off and you can see just like dust kind of like in the <laughs> air and like you can barely you can't even see the other end of the table. And she's just like, I'm pretty sure this is a sweet, sweet table. Uh, and she kept watching it and they just kept dropping the price because nobody was coming to look at it. So if you're in the market, look out for those kind of listings because you might be able to get a deal. But, you know, we're talking about selling and folks are going to be more apt to come purchase something from you if you're. Home's kind of bright and clean looking versus like dark and dingy. Yeah. And on that note, take 30 seconds to clean up your item. You know, wipe it down. Make sure it's <laughs> got that kind of gleam, that new look gleam. Yeah, have it to look it. fresh. Yeah. You don't want to, uh, whether it's a bike you're selling or a table or a chair, wipe it down. Make sure everything looks good as new. I swear people just don't take the time to wipe something down. And <laughs> that can be the difference between selling an item or not. Did you uh, clean your microwave that you sold? You said you sold a microwave. Uh, Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. You got to clean the inside and take a picture of it to show people like, hey, this isn't yeah. like some nastified like microwave with like spaghetti splattered all up on the roof. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, like fish guts all over the place or something like that. Joel's Norwegian, so he microwaves his fish. All the time. And uh, it's just all over the inside of his, his normal microwave, but not the one he sells. And I wear halibut cologne. So <laughs> that's what I'm into. And also with the photos, 
the more expensive the item, consider taking more photos, right? When Kate and I listed our Volkswagen, we had a Volkswagen Passat wagon that we actually sold on Craigslist. And when we sold that thing, I took a lot of photos because if someone's going to drop a few thousand dollars on it, they want to be able to see every every sort of blemish or you know anywhere where there's a scratch. I took a picture of it because that's the kind of thing that they're definitely going to see when they show up and look at it. So you may as well kind of go ahead and get that out there. Uh, obviously, we shined it up and made sure the car looked as best as it possibly could. But but like again, you're talking about your, like your microwave oven. You only need to post like one or two photos of that. You know, two pictures, probably yeah. outside, inside, done. Right? Someone's going to come pick it up. Twenty bucks, thirty bucks, done deal. A couch, probably four pictures. Yeah. And Matt's saying take good pictures. You don't need a fancy camera. You probably just oh, no. need your yes. average smartphone. At this point, most smartphones have pretty yes. good cameras. Just hold it steady. <laughs> Make sure you're you're getting a shot of the entire item, and and make sure the room is well lit. And if you do those things, you're going to take a picture that's better than 85% of the pictures out there. Yeah, if you think about it at all, it'll be better than 85% of the pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But but it's like really important if you want top dollar or even just to sell your item at take, all. Yeah. Take enough pictures of that item and make sure they're decent shots. Yeah. So when you're taking photos too, do consider the background, right? So if you've got a microwave, it should probably belong on your kitchen counter. Like that's a great place to take a picture of your microwave or like your dining room table or something like that. Don't put it like on the floor in the corner somewhere or put it on your couch and take a picture. Of yeah. it. That's weird. Yeah. People are like, it's out of context, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Context is important. Nothing should ever be photographed in your bathroom, like on the toilet. Like that would be weird. Like why is that sitting on the back of the toilet? That's that's bizarre. <laughs> if you're taking pictures of your car, take it to like an empty parking lot, maybe something like that. Uh, or, you, you know, if your house looks decent on the outside, take pictures in front of your house, maybe. But just make sure that it's in context and yeah. that you're taking these like good, clear pictures. Yeah. Something else to do is to price compare. Even if you're going to post on Craigslist, say we're talking about the car, look around on some other sites that deal specifically with cars and make sure you know what your what your car can go for. Obviously, you're going to want to look on like Kelly Blue Book and sites like that for, for a vehicle. But say, like I were talking earlier about a camera, I'm going to get on eBay and see what cameras like that are going for. That way, when I do decide to list it, say even locally on Craigslist or on eBay, I know where to price it. Obviously, eBay's got different mechanisms built in where they say, oh, something like this goes for this range and this kind of condition. Uh, but you just want to do a, a little bit of research. Obviously, you're going to do more of that with a, a more expensive item, but take that into account. Yeah. Be realistic about the price you're asking for, especially if you want to move it quickly. If you're serious about decluttering and you're listing a bunch of items, don't ask too much because if you, if you start listing your stuff and overpricing it, there's just more work involved. There's lowering the price eventually relisting it, whatever you got to do. And that just becomes a pain. So if you're just really trying to declutter your life and get rid of a bunch of stuff, if you're trying to spring clean your life, make sure you ask a reasonable price and negotiate with people. Let them ask for, you know, 10, five, 10 bucks off, whatever it may be, and be willing to work with people so that you can get this stuff out of your life. Because ultimately, that's what you want. I don't think I've ever talked to someone who just got rid of a bunch of stuff and they're like, I miss all of it. I just miss <laughs> all those things I just sold and I'm so bummed and my life sucks now. It's so therapeutic to get rid of these things. And especially if you're able to make a few dollars, it feels really good. You will not miss the things that you sell. Your mind will be freer. You will have decluttered your life in a good way and you're not going to miss it. All right, Joel, back to the beer. Mmm, Cascade, blueberry. So, looks like you don't like your beer because you still have a bunch left and mine is totally gone because I love it. No, I'm a huge fan. I'm just not a lush. Oh my this beer, 
one of my all-time favorites. I'm going to like literally this is probably one of my top 5 beers uh, that I've ever had. I've had it before. I've had it maybe two or three other times. But every time I have it, it just sort of maintains its place in my mind. You know, it sort of sits there at the top. It's like on your Mount Rushmore of beers. Oh, easily. This is really, really good. And I, I don't remember if I've had this before with you or not, but... Um, we have. I remember specifically okay. having it at the beach. I don't know if it was last year or a couple couple years ago, but we we had this. Don't ask me why I know it, but I know it. Trust me. <laughs> and again, our wives are like, how do you remember the beer you drank together two years ago and you don't remember what I told you to do last night? Yeah, I know. That's a problem. Uh, but yes, yeah, this beer is delicious. I'm a huge fan. Cascade Brewing, Blueberry Ale... You know, aged for a year on blueberries in oak. It's really, really delicious. And uh, if you're into a little bit of that mouth puckering sour with blueberries, it's it's really, really, really good. Perfectly balanced though. At the same time, it's got that that tartness, but it's got just enough sweetness in there. I think, and that barrel aged oakness is in there as well. And so it all kind of mellows out. I think this is just like right in the middle of like the Venn diagram of awesome sour beers. Man, it's got it all. So thanks everyone for listening. Our home on the web is howtomoney.com. We'll have show notes up there for this episode. And if you like what you hear, let us know. Yeah. Thanks guys for listening. We really appreciate it. And until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Upswell Marketing would like to remind listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms. They don't see two dentists or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. And in fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. And new customers receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com.